GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that NFTs in app stores are going to change the world. That's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. Friends, this is a big week. Jay just touched on it right there. Google is taking the reins. They're changing their policies. And we're going to talk about that because they're becoming a friendly app store for Web3, exactly what Apple is not. So we're going to talk about that's the leading story that just happened. So we're going to break that down. There's a lot of big things this week, actually. We were saying this is going to be a fun week because we finally have so much news to talk about. Coinbase is launching wallet-to-wallet messaging using XMTP, who we've had on the podcast. We'll break that down. Polygon is getting rid of Matic and launching a new token called Poll. What's going on there? We've got some potential scam companies that's getting the community all fired up in Arkham. Are they part of the CIA or not? What's going on here? And then at the end of the show, we've got Sandy, who's the COO of Unstoppable, who's joining us to give us a big announcement of something going on over at Unstoppable. So make sure you stick around for that. But we have so much more throughout. So we're going to try to get through this, but let's see how we can do. You think we'll get it all done in time, Jay? Probably not, but uh, <laughs> I don't, yeah, what is time, you know? Actually, we all don't have any time. We're all so busy yeah, trying to figure out how to build and invest in Web3 at the same time. But let's start with some gratitude, as we always do. Take a minute, take a deep breath, and appreciate what you have because, yeah, in these times, it's easy to appreciate what you don't have, and that just leads to challenges. I am grateful today for Raspberry Jam. Kai, I don't know about you. But I'm a jam guy. I love a good PB love jam. And raspberries is the right choice. That's the right choice. Raspberries is strawberry. Yeah, it's I the agree. best. You know, better than marmalade, better than strawberry. I'd say blueberry is a close second for me, but yeah. Good old raspberry jam. Yes. I got some jams when I was in Portugal. Brought them back for my girlfriend. Just little tiny bottles of these jams. But they have like an orange jam, which is actually phenomenal. But raspberry is top notch. So I agree What with a that. sweetheart you are. Good guy. Just a good guy. <laughs> I am grateful for a concert I went to last night, outdoor concert called a festival. It's called Rock the Park. Jay, you might have known it in London back when you were going to Western. It used to be called Hawk Rocks the Park. I still call it that. Everyone thinks I'm weird. In London, Ontario, which is not the biggest city in the world, had Vance Joy, Mumford & Sons, Bahamas, and The Trues all on a Wednesday night in London, which was crazy. So went to that last night. It rained the entire time and it was an outdoor concert. But it was amazing. Everyone just embraced it. Vance Joy was awesome. Mumford and Sons, amazing. Absolutely loved them. So just grateful to to see them so close to home. It was pretty awesome. I'm jealous. I don't know the next time I'm going to go to a concert, to be honest, with a new baby. So <laughs> please you gotta send me some videos. Live it up for me. Just bring the baby with you. All right. So we're going to, um, we got a lot to talk about. So we're actually just going to skip the market watch section today. Wait, wait, I added something. I'm going to shock you here, Kai. I'm moving up a piece of the news to the market watch here for you quick because otherwise I don't know where we're going to get this in. And this just came out this morning. We can't not talk about this. So throw this in market watch. Europe is <laughs> Europe set to launch the first Bitcoin ETF. What? Spot Bitcoin ETF. This was supposed to go live 12 months ago, but I think all companies in crypto were blowing up at the time. So they delayed it. And now it looks like they're trying to rush it in before the US approves one. And so just today they announced that it's going live. So Europe will have its first spot Bitcoin ETF. Hopefully this means the US will as well. But big things are happening in this industry. And then also, I mean, the real market watch stuff is CPI. So inflation just went down and down and down. It was like below, it was at 3%. Yesterday it was announced. So that was below expectations, which just continues to happen. We've been saying that that was going to keep happening. Anyway, we're not going to do market watch. If you want an update on what's going on with markets, though, check out our latest pro report that went out yesterday. For those of you that got in on the discount last week, you haven't gone pro. Sorry, the discount's over, but go check it out because this pro report we just put out gives a nice deep dive into what's happening in the overall crypto industry. And then next week, we have one coming out where we're going to break down everything happening in the NFT industry and what we think happens there. So make sure you're pro. But anyway... We've got so much we need to talk about, so let's do that. Before we get to that though, let's just take a quick second to hear from our sponsor. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, 
TikTok and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. Quick shout out to those watching and listening live right now on Twitter and on YouTube. We see you guys. Hit us with a comment in the chat. Let us know that you're here. Give us a GM. Great to have you here. And uh, for the podcast listeners, we love you guys too, of course. All right. Let's start off with our first big news, which actually just came out. We did our prep in the Discord like we always do. And this was not part of that news, but I think later that day it came out. Google Play changes policy on tokenized digital assets, allowing NFTs in apps and in games. So this is huge. We've had a, a long talk about Apple and their, I don't want to necessarily say being against digital assets. I don't think it's that. It's just their control of wanting in-app purchases and then making this whole weird situation with NFTs, even with like tipping and Bitcoin, basically blocking all of these things, which basically makes NFTs useless if you can't transfer them and do things with them and you got to pay 30% on the gas fees. Like it just doesn't make sense. And so Google, I think, saw an opportunity here. We talk a lot about sort of like arbitration or arbitrage with policy in terms of like governments. So, you know, the US has bad regulations in the UK, Hong Kong, Singapore taking advantage of that. Well, we see the same thing here with tech companies, right? Apple having bad policy for an industry where there's a lot of developers, a lot of capital that wants to launch these sort of games, use this technology. Apple's not allowing it. Google says, hey, this is an opportunity for us. If Apple's not going to let you, why don't we change our policy and that'll bring in a bunch of games that will go on Google Play first before Apple. It'll bring in likely a bunch of capital, a bunch of users, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's exactly what they're doing. Now, this isn't live yet. I think it goes live at some point later this year. Is that what you said, Jay? Yeah, later this year. Later this year. And basically what they're doing is they're allowing for non-fungible tokens to be inside of apps and the functionalities for them can all work. It's not blocked by any means. And they're actually doing this with I guess it's in partnership, but they're working with a few developers and companies to kind of build this policy and to kind of test some things. Reddit is one of them. So they've been talking a lot with Reddit on how to develop this policy and what they want to enable. So likely what comes from this is that Reddit is going to have some cool features launching out in their app as this goes live. We don't know for sure, but that's just our assumption. But it's going to, I think, change the game right now for especially for games and other things in app because change the game for games change the game for games exactly because previously just either it wasn't allowed or also developers just didn't know what they could do and so it's a bit of a bitch when you're building you got to spend money and time and try to get things approved in these app stores you don't know what and then you realize you can't do this you got to rework your entire app we've seen it with so many apps that have gone live where you actually have to leave the app and go and like do certain things in the browser which is just crazy it makes no sense so kudos to google for supporting this industry and being a leader here my guess is that apple falls suit but we'll see we'll see i don't know for sure anything you want to add jay yeah so first thing just as you mentioned the timeline there is a select group of developers working on this right now in beta in partnership. Reddit is one of them. And they are targeting stuff to come out on their apps in August, September. So we'll start to see the first NFTs in apps on Google Play Store within the next few months. And then the full policy will roll out later this year. So it, look, if you're an app developer or you're an entrepreneur that's thinking about building an app, like here's a big opportunity, right? Like I'd be contacting Google and I'd be looking to get ahead of this because they want developers to test this. They want developers to experience this and they want to learn alongside you. So they will likely be providing a lot of support to any businesses that are building and using this new policy. The other thing is this announcement came from a gentleman named Joseph Mills, who's a Google Play's a head of product, I believe. And two things that he said that was interesting. He said that what this will really allow is traditional games with user-owned content and a boost in user loyalty through unique NFT rewards. So two use cases that we talk a lot about on the show, in-game ownership of assets 
and user loyalty. Very excited about both those use cases. And obviously, Google is signaling that they see big opportunity in both those use cases as well. And the final thing I'll say, and I think this is one of the reasons why Apple has been so slow to adapt any new blockchain tech is there's a real focus on protecting users from both Google, Apple. They need to think about all their users, not just their Web3 users when they're thinking about what is happening in their app stores. And so Google stressed this. They talked about the importance of this. And so in order to ensure that users are protected, whenever there is an NFT within an app, you will be required to basically disclose that in some way that there is blockchain-based tech within this app. Google has a like gambling policy that doesn't allow a lot of gambling apps to be on the store. So through that gambling policy, it will impact any app that would like glamorize or promote NFTs in an inappropriate way. So allowed to be like, hey, like buy this NFT that's like a loot box and you might get other stuff. Why do they have to flag that digital goods are built or using blockchain tech? It's not like it's like smoking and you need to have a warning symbol. Like, I don't understand. That's very odd. Like, hey, by the way, make sure you know that this protocol or this app underneath, you're using HTTP, okay? <laughs> like, why does that matter? I don't get, I get the gambling side. Like, that makes sense, right? If people are going to be investing money in, in a speculative asset, of course you need warnings. We, we have that for most things, well, in certain countries. So I get that, but I just don't understand the other part. But anyway. The big bad blockchain. Step <laughs> <laughs> in the right direction, at least. We'll take that. All right, another big news item came out yesterday. Coinbase Wallet announced wallet-to-wallet -wallet messaging. What's going on here, Kai? Yeah, this is big time. This is something I feel like Jay has been screaming about for a long time, which is we actually had XMTP, which is a, a protocol for, for wallet-to-wallet -wallet messaging. And uh, we had them on the podcast, I don't know, maybe like half a year ago, something like that. Literally like two or three months ago. It's crazy. What time is like in this Jeez, space? I, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> anyway, great episode to understand just like the future of communication on the internet. And so XMTP, just to give you a, a quick idea, is like a, an encrypted messaging system that is interoperable. And so right now you think of your DMs on, let's say, Instagram, Twitter, you know, Airbnb, Uber, whatever. They're all separate, right? So you have to go into each app to message in there and to see the messages you get. What XMTP is, is a more interoperable, interoperable version of this where any application can link into it and you can DM through any app, through any interface and whichever one the other person's on, they can see it through there. So you could have Lens Protocol already uses this and on any of the apps built on top of Lens Protocol that has this installed, you can DM and you can DM across all these different apps. What Coinbase Wallet has done is now integrated this into the wallet itself. And so now if you're using a Coinbase Wallet, you can start DMing people and talking to people that are over using Lens Protocol. On their UI, they're using Lens Protocol. On your UI, you're using Coinbase Wallet. Someone else might be using something else and you have all your chats in there. So super, super cool. XMTP has been a big thing in this space for a while. We've started to gain some traction with apps using this, but most apps are kind of like, there's not enough users. So we don't really want to put the effort into like building it in. So really we've been waiting for that moment where we have a bunch of users on it. Well, Coinbase Wallet has millions of users. And now with the click of a button, they all now have access to wallet to wallet messaging. The real big news on this here, or I guess just like the real use case of what this gives us in this space that is just so badly needed is whenever things happen on chain, we have no way to communicate with the person that we interacted with. Someone mints your NFT, you can't give them a welcome message, right? unless you've also got their email or their Twitter handle or something like that. If someone, I don't know, sends you money, you can't really do anything. There's like some really shitty ways to do it through like, I don't know, Etherscan and stuff, but like no one uses them. So it doesn't really work. And so we've never really had that ability to speak to those people based on their wallet, right? I see OX, blah, 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 or I see kareedhead.eth. I want to message them. I can't unless I go on Twitter and go, hey, does anyone know Kyrie.east email? And then I can go message him, right? Makes no sense. And so this is really the solution that we need in this industry to start to provide some communication across the things happening on chain. And now we have that with Coinbase Wallet, which is super cool. Some additional things that can happen from this, other than like welcome emails, onboarding emails when someone buys your NFT or buys something 
someone, I don't know, buys your token and they join a community, you can now help them, which is amazing. But think about it this way. Let's think Paragraph, for example. Paragraph is a like your Substack version of yeah. Web3, right? So it's a newsletter and you get their email. And basically what you can do is, you know, when you publish your article, it goes to their email and notifies them that this article has been published. And then also it's available to be minted as an NFT. So cool functionality, great, but very similar to Substack. What this enables now is that when I publish that article on Paragraph, it doesn't just go to their email. I can now publish that article to their wallet. And so now all of a sudden they get a notification in their Coinbase wallet that X thing has happened, which is pretty freaking cool, I think. And this will go out more than just articles. It'll happen for many, many things. Now, that is amazing and opens up so many opportunities. The other side of this is, well, there's no spam filters for this stuff yet. So probably this is going to get a little bit crazy. It always does. Every time a new app comes out, people take advantage of however they can get in people's DMs, et cetera. So those filters and things will come. It'll be much easier and cleaner in the future, but we need the users there first. And so that's what we're hopefully about to see. But I think this is going to unlock a lot of really cool things for the space. So I'm pretty excited. What about you, Jay? I'm stoked. It was episode 148 on February 7th with Matt, the founder of XMTP. If you want to go back and listen to that and learn all about wallet wallet messaging. Yeah, I've been screaming about this for a while. It's huge and it's the future. It's early, very, very, very early because there's a lot of UX that needs to be built out for this to be used. But I can't wait for the day when I say bye-bye to email and it's all wallet-to-wallet messaging. And I'm just looking here and I thought there were millions in Coinbase wallet. There's actually not. There's 526,000 active Coinbase wallets. That's just that they've made at least one swap. So probably actually much less than that. I mean, it's still a decent amount of people, but I I mean, I'm going to move off my MetaMask now that I can do this. So I wonder how much, like what I think what happens here is a bunch of wallets now integrate this, but... If not, then, I mean, Coinbase gets first move advantage here. And so I bet you a bunch of people jump across. I want to. And it's not just which wallets integrate it. It's which wallets have the ability to create great UI. Like you've got to build out inbox functionality, create message functionality, respond to message functionality, send money functionality in the messaging app. Like there's so much that needs to be built out here. So I buy into Coinbase being a leader in this because really, when you think about it, they're one of the best at building great UI and right. UX in their apps. So also one more thing I just want to comment on there that you mentioned was the number of active users they have. And I think this is something that we in this space need to focus more on that number. That number is so important to understand where the users actually are, what's actually going on. We end up getting so caught up in the financial metrics in this space, such as total value locked or market cap of a token, where we should all be paying attention to active users because that's where the puck is headed. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see where it goes, but I think it's this huge. And I think the other good thing is when we go into the next hype cycle and we bring in a bunch of people into the space again, they look around on chain and they're like, okay, what's going on here? People did it last year or last cycle and they all ended up just leaving because they're like, well, this stuff's too expensive. There's not really a lot I can do other than DeFi. No one really cared. There's a bunch of useless monkey JPEGs and then everyone left. This time people come back and you know we've got L2, so we've got things that are faster and, and better there. But now we also have communication, right? We have social media apps with Lens Protocol. We have so many more things, which I think is super exciting. The big thing, I've talked to a few companies now after Coinbase launched this, and I think this is the inflection point. There's a bunch of apps coming that are about to launch XMTP as well for different functionalities. And so I think we're about to see some really, really cool stuff over the next few months here with wallet wallet communication. So I'm super stoked. Let's go. Let's go. I love it. All right. Another announcement that just came out last minute. It actually came out this morning. Kai... Polygon was a big announcement of Polygon 2.0 and their new token moving from Matic to Pole, P-O-L. What's going on here? I know this just came out, so I don't know how up to date you are on this, but I, let's try to get through. Everybody. I was reading at the Mumford and Sons conference. No, I'm just kidding. I was not doing that. Oh, I hope uh, you were. <laughs> Sadler, he wasn't listening. He wasn't reading, was he? he was no, 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 no. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> So Polygon 2.0 has been a a series of announcements over the last few weeks where they're sort of changing their whole infrastructure. And this week, the announcement was about the token. What were they going to do with Matic? So quick TLDR of of the past stuff. Basically, what's happening is they're transitioning the proof of stake Polygon 
into a layer two on Ethereum. And then they're creating this holding infrastructure where there will be thousands of Polygon-based L2s, whether they're ZK rollups, optimistic rollups, et cetera. And they will all sort of be like attached, like a super chain, and then all settle onto Ethereum. So really, really interesting what they're trying to do here. And so it was like, well, what's going to happen with the token? And basically what they're doing now is they're going to create a new token. And so they're shifting from Matic to Pol. And so they said you'll have, they'll probably give like a four-year window to convert your Matic into Pol. Once you convert, it burns that Matic. That's now gone. Pol is a token. It's funny. This is the third time they've done this. They used to be called, I forget, something else. And then they've changed their name to Polygon. It used to be called Matic. And they just keep changing their names and their token names. It's, I don't know, it's out of control. But anyway, they're going with Pol, which makes sense because they are called Polygon. But basically what this new token will do is it will be the token that allows you to validate on all of these different L2 chains that they have. Okay. And so this is to like validate the sequencers and to validate these L2s. So to decentralize the layer twos, it's not to decentralize the layer one, because obviously they're using Ethereum. So they already have that benefit of ETH and, and everything going on there. And so basically what this, what they're calling this is a third generation token. So the way they explain it is you have BTC, which is like a passive token or a non-active token, right? You just, you have Bitcoin doesn't really do anything. Then they say that you have like an active token in Ethereum, right? Where you can stake and you can earn revenues based off of the activity happening on chain. And what they're calling this is like the third generation token where it's a hyper productive token. And really what this is, is you can validate using these tokens, proof of stake, you can validate on one chain, but you can also validate across many chains. These different L2s can have different incentives, but you can stake your token and use that across many of the different chains. And so it's going to create some sort of interesting incentive models and a little bit of competition, I guess, amongst the different Polygon L2s but should be very interesting. And then the other part of this is it will have governance. So they have a treasury that they've created for Polygon 2.0. And so the token will not only allow you to get rewards, and I guess they're, but when they say hyper-productive, I'm assuming they're going to try to make this more rewards than, than ETH itself. And then also you'll be able to vote on where the chain goes, what are the decisions they make, et cetera. And then lastly, pull can, but doesn't have to be used for gas on the top of these L2s. So you can use ETH, the chains can use ETH, they can use other tokens, but Pol can be supported for that as well, but doesn't have to be. But they said Polygon proof of stake, when that converts over, it will use Pol. So anyway, lots happening here. I think it's it's a lot of interesting stuff. One funny thing that came up, I was just looking at their um, FAQs and there was like, are we doing this because of the regulatory concerns uh, happening in the US, which is basically Matic was recently called a security by the SEC. And so it's kind of funny that their solution to that was, well, we'll just create a new token and then you can burn that security one and then just have some of these bullets instead. That's not actually the case, but kind of funny to think that way. But ultimately, I think this is this is amazing. What Polygon is building out here as sort of like an underlying infrastructure for Web3 is, is just incredible. It's going to give us the scalability that we need and super bullish on, I guess, now what's called Pole instead of Matic. I liked Matic better. Matic had such a nice ring to it. Yeah, I get that it has nothing to do with, I'm sure people got really confused because it doesn't have the word polygon or bravel right. in it. So, but let's be clear, this is not happening. This is a proposal to the community right. and the community needs to vote and reach consensus. Each one of these things that we've talked about over the last few weeks are just proposals to the community and then they vote. So none of these have actually gone through. If this does, it will go live in a few months and then you'll have basically they said about four years to convert your Matic over to Pole. You won't be able to go from Pole back to Matic. Then it's a one-way street. And then after four years, they cut it off and all those tokens are now done and it's just Pole moving forward. But we, it's got to get passed. I don't see why it wouldn't pass though. You know? No, me neither. <laughs> Next up, is the CIA stealing your data? Big news this week was all focused around Arkham Intel which is a new company backed by OpenAI and a couple of other big names in the industry. And they call themselves an on-chain intelligence exchange that is aiming to de-anonymize the blockchain. What the heck does that mean? Let me explain. Basically, it operates as a peer-to-peer -peer exchange. So basically, anyone can ask for data by putting out a bounty. So let's say I want to know what Kyle bought in the last year. Then an on-chain analyst can go and investigate and then come back to me with the data. And then I would pay that on-chain analyst for the data. So it's a marketplace for a data exchange in order for somebody who does not know how to 
use the blockchain to research the blockchain to do deep analysis and do investigation to go and find somebody to do that for them. Now there's a token involved and that token will be used for buying and selling the data. And then also there's an aspect of how this token will be used to prevent spam. Now they're launching the token on Binance with a token sale on July 17th. Personally, I will certainly not be investing in this. And apparently the token distribution also includes an airdrop, hype alert always when you see an airdrop that happens this early in a project. And they call it the Intel to earn model. Okay, so there's a reason everybody was up in arms about this. There's a lot of concern. And let me just go through what a few of them. What if I come on and I say, hey, I want this information and somebody come back and they just submit fake info for me. What's to stop them from doing that? Well, they said that the Arkham Foundation will verify data. So you're telling me that a centralized foundation is going to verify data. And then what's to stop that foundation from storing the data? Also on sign up, no idea why, but Arkham asked for your social insurance number. Any company should need your, other than like a financial institution, a regulated financial institution, no one should ever need your social insurance number. Definite hype alert red flags if anyone asked for that. And then they leaked users' email addresses, which was allegedly intentional. Basically, they had this wait list and you had to sign up on this wait list to get access. And so a whole bunch of people signed up the wait list. In order to sign up the wait list, you had to give your email. And in giving your email, they collected this huge email database. And then somebody found this hack where you could very easily get access to all the emails that had been given. And these emails are tied to wallets. So you have all these people who are anonymous, nobody knows who their wallet is, but now they have an email tied to their wallet. So now they've been doxxed. Just a huge fail on the part of Arkham. And apparently they knew about it, or at least a bunch of people say that they were warned about this and they did nothing. And the cherry on the top here is Miguel Morel, who is the CEO and founder of Arkham. This guy is the D-bag of all D-bags. He is... <laughs> Crypto degen, absolute, oh, it's like just barf in my mouth. This is everything that's wrong with this industry. It's guys like this who have huge egos and walk around. There's like just, yeah, if you see videos or photos of him and make you sick, it's unfortunate that people like this are getting so much attention in the space. I have no idea how he got the backing that he did. Any thoughts on your end on our lines? Lots of thoughts. Okay, let's hold off on Argo for a second. The business of looking on chain and you know providing data is massive. And I think this is a no-brainer. There's a lot of people up in arms about this. Guys, you got to understand that we're on blockchain. There is so much data and data is going to get shared. And if you don't know how to look on chain and get that data, you're going to buy that data. So like, this is going to happen. Is it going to be Arca that does it? Probably not because they're a piece of shit. But 100% that this business is going to be a thing. It exists in the Web2 world and it's a massive business. And anyone here who's yelling at me saying, oh my God, no, we need to hide all data. There should be no data anymore on the internet. Well, first of all, you're telling me that on probably Twitter or somewhere that you're giving up your data anyway. So you're a hypocrite. And then number two, the internet would suck without sharing data. So that's the last thing you want. Your experiences will go, will be terrible. You won't have any algorithms to help you find like Netflix would suck. Amazon will suck. All of these apps that you love will suck. Your whole, everything you do on the internet would be terrible if you didn't share data. So people really need to separate like what's happening on the internet and try to understand the internet before they go and like get upset about all this stuff. Now, so 100% this business is going to be a thing. I think the way Arkham set this up is terrible. Why is there like a centralized entity in the middle of this? It's not scalable. That's going to go verify it all. Like there's got to be an automated way to do this and they didn't build that. So that's very odd. And then just here's the biggest red flag in the world now is like, stop launching tokens before you have a real business, right? Like it just makes no sense, right? Whether it's airdropping or you're doing any of this stuff, you don't need the token right now at all. Go, you have a, a potential amazing business here, right? It's a great idea. Go execute it, right? And then just like once you raise, you have this thing and you have traction, then you launch your token if you want to decentralize it, right? Maybe you use the token to, instead of having a foundation verify everything, use the token to get, you know, incentivize others to do it. And I don't know, however you want to do it, but like you don't need, to, you shouldn't launch a token right off the beginning, unless you're trying to raise capital, which is then giving away equity, but that's not what they're doing here. So anyway, it's just a whole mess that these guys are doing. I would highly recommend people don't invest into this and 
probably not even use it because it sounds like it's going to be a scam. But I do want people to know like this is going to be a thing. People are definitely going to sell data for individuals, for companies, for et cetera, because it's just massively valuable. And you have so much extra data when things happen on chain. And so it's, it's going to be a massive business, not Arkham specifically, <laughs> just the idea. <laughs> Just the idea. Yeah, it is very true. The line that summed this up the best, the Arkham situation, and I'm stealing this from you, Kai, was no brain product, no brain team. So no brainer product, no brainer product. No brainer product, no no brain brain team. team. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's exactly it, I think. Yeah, we'll see what goes on. There's a lot of weird things happening with Arkham. I just don't understand how someone can launch a business with all of this like baggage. It's just, it doesn't really, it's odd, you know? I mean, they're getting media coverage. But I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing. Totally. I'm going to take this opportunity to bump up something I had later in the show right now, which is uh, the founder of Dune had a Twitter thread this morning about why they are not airdropping a token. And here's what he said. What I don't like about airdrops creates get rich quick communities, is an absurd spending of capital to farmers, creates no long-term value for anyone. If Dune wanted to do a token, we'd done it so we would have done it a long time ago, but we haven't and we won't. There's no reason for Dune. They have a great business, right? Exactly. And that's what you should be doing. Build a great business. Don't go airdrop and use a token first. Build a great business. Unless you have a really great roadmap and you want a community to be involved with building your roadmap, sure then you could go do a token first. But that like that's for like what? Like 0.01% of projects? Not many projects should follow that. You mean like to raise? To raise capital? To raise, yeah. Right. Yeah, like that's fine if it's actually to raise. But like airdropping is not to raise, right? Which is a lot. Well, airdropping is just a marketing tool these guys are doing to get excitement, which is just a waste of everyone's money and time. And for those holders that did invest, you just screw them all over, right? Which is what every company continues to do. You airdrop tokens to decentralize. That's when you do it, right? Like Arbitrum just did it because they have a massive community of people building on Arbitrum. And so they wanted to give them all ownership of that technology because it's their home. It's where they've built their businesses, right? They did their best to make sure that just the real developers, the real users, the real DAOs got those tokens so that they could govern it moving forward. That makes sense. But you, they didn't need to do that two years ago when no one used it yet. Why would you do that? There's nothing to govern, right? But now they have their billions of TVL. They've got hundreds of thousands of users. Okay, now it makes sense. Now you decentralize it and you do that via a token. But when you have a shitty company with no revenues and nothing going on, why are we dropping tokens? It's just a scam. So anyway, let's keep that in mind. Since we're talking about what to do and what not to do in great business models and how to do this properly in Web3, Let's take a look at a few examples. We're going to take a look at Ether, which was a failed mint that happened this week. Then we're going to look at Parallel, which was a sellout successful mint that happened this past week. But first, I want to start by highlighting a tweet thread from our favorite 6529. Well, let's go to Ether and Parallel because it's on topic and we'll go to we'll do the uh, blur afterwards. Are you running the show or am I? What the heck? <laughs> well, you just set us up perfectly. And then all of a sudden you're going to go to a random other topic. I was like... Smart move, Jay. No, it's not the topic. It's it's on topic. But hey, okay, okay, okay. Let's go to Ether. Let's go to Ether. So Ether is a uh, NFT project. Was minted this week. It was minted this past Sunday on July 9th. And basically, it had a, a lot of issues in their mint. It was paused due to lack of activity. Here's really why. There was a super high mint price. The mint price was one ETH. One ETH in the bear market. What are you doing? And the supply was 10,000 at one ETH. I can't even imagine how that is. Hold on, Jay. We need to help this industry understand this stuff. It's not an NFT project. Ether is a metaverse company. They're building a metaverse Mm. like every other person using NFTs. They're a metaverse company and they're using NFTs to raise capital. That's yeah, or let's call them a PFP project. They're a PFP project. No, they're not that either. They are a metaverse category that's using NFTs to raise capital in PFPs for marketing purposes. That, right, but like we need to make sure they're not even. But they're not even a metaverse company either. Well, yeah, they're nothing. All they are <laughs> is a PFP company. Like, well, they their roadmap, and I say that in quotations. Who gives a shit, right? Like, <laughs> I could go write a roadmap right now and say I'm like, uh, I don't know, a doctor or something. Like right. That. Like, <laughs> just because I say I'm doing something doesn't mean I've actually done it. Right. What's right. the line? Like, 
ideas are worthless, execution is everything. So the mint was paused. And then here's what they did. They changed up their strategy and they said they're going to airdrop to every holder. There was 985 people that purchased at the one ETH price. So they said, we're going to airdrop something to you because you were part of us from the beginning. Okay, sure. That's a fine idea. And then they said they'd auction off the remaining supply in a Dutch auction. And then they said they'd increase royalties from 5% to 75%, which I don't know why you would increase royalties as a result of this. Look, this is the 101 on how not to do these things. Don't do an airdrop this early in a project. A Dutch auction, yeah, I mean, look, Dutch auction if you don't know your price, but like in a bear market, a Dutch auction doesn't really make a lot of sense and definitely don't increase royalties. I mean, let's be real, royalties are going to zero. Anyways, they pretty much are. This is the old way to yeah. build using NFTs. And Zeneca said this best. He said, this is the old way, you know, vague, hype marketing, bought your socials, paid for influencers, 10K supply, high mint price. That's not the way this is going to work anymore. We're going to look back on this and never remember. The new way is build a real business, build a real community, do free or modest pricing first, under promise, lower supply. We'll get there someday. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just the same playbook that goes over and over. We're going to build a metaverse. And I just, I feel like every podcast I talk about this, like guys, no one has built a successful metaverse yet. Okay. In Web3, it doesn't exist. So like to buy these NFTs that promise to have IP for an avatar or whatever it is inside of a non-existent metaverse that maybe will get built in the future based off of the money that you're giving to speculate on this. It's just so insane. And I don't know how people keep doing it. Ether raised a million dollars. They raised a million dollars in this drop and they're saying it's not enough. And so they're going and you know they're going to make all these changes. It's like, dude, go build your metaverse and show that it works and show that it's great and then go get funding, right? But yeah. get funding from people that have money. Don't try and scam your way around the Web3 community yeah. and take a bunch of people's money and then complain that you didn't raise enough. Yuga Labs has built the most successful metaverse. I'm putting this in air quotes right now. And they have only had a trial which had 8,000 people in that metaverse at once and everybody was losing their mind, but you couldn't actually do anything. And Yuga Labs has half a billion dollars and a massive team working on this. That's the best thing that they have supplied so far. Like they can't even do it. So what makes you think that somebody else can do it? Please stop buying these NFT projects. Okay, let's please, please. let's talk about a good project. Parallel, which is a sci-fi trading card game, has really shown the playbook of how you do use NFTs. So they created this trading card game using NFTs. And they've, through this trading card game, you can mint new cards and get more cards. So the supply is like increasing. So there's 5.8 million NFTs that have been minted within this game. Okay. And now just this past week, they released a PFP. So they've got a super active community. They're the number 23 NFT all-time trading on OpenSea. They have a native token, which is used in their game and people use it and understand it. So they've got a successful business. People are playing this game. They love it. And then they said, okay, now we can go launch a PFP because we have an active community. People are going to want a PFP to show off that they are part of this brand, that they care about this community. They're going to want to flex and appear, show that they, and they also have an account within the game where it makes sense to have a PFP as well. So, so many reasons why this is the time to launch a PFP well, after you've built a successful, and, and a successful community. And by PFP, it means like an avatar inside of a game. So they already have a business. They already have a bunch of users. They already have a working yeah. game. And now they want to bring a little bit more life to that game, some identity to that game. And so this is when you launch an NFT with a PFP that they can use in the game, but also they can market outside of the game on Twitter, et cetera, okay? Marketing tools, why they do this. But the other thing is they're using ERC6551, which we talked about a bunch. And what that is, is where you can have NFTs inside of NFTs. So now what do you do? You have your avatar, right? Which is your NFT, PFP. And now all those cards that you've been collecting or playing or winning inside this game can go in that. And now it's all in like a folder inside of your one avatar that has to do with that game. And so if you ever wanted to sell that avatar, you could sell those cards with it. 
as sort of like a bulk thing. And so that makes sense. It's got utility inside the game, right? Both in the form of like holding everything in one place, your other trading card NFTs. It's got your identity inside that game. And then you also then can go use that outside if you really like the game and you're a supporter and you want to, you know, show off your your avatar on Twitter or whatever. That makes complete sense, right? And so they'll probably, I don't know what they're selling them for, but they would have raised some capital, which is great. But not even we're raising capital. It's just a product, right? People want to buy things for their games. They want to dress their users up inside of the game. And so it's a product. They didn't raise capital. They just, it's revenue. They sold something that makes the game experience better. Perfect, right? That's how you do it. They didn't sell a speculative asset to like maybe build something in the future. They already have it. This just adds to the experience. Perfect use of an NFT. It's so exciting to see the use of token bound accounts, which is what ERC 6551 is for those who don't nerd out on ERC numbers like we do. Token bound accounts is just an incredible use case for gaming because when you play a game, you do, there's a lot of benefit to combining all your assets in a game within one account, right? And now you can use one NFT, in this case, the avatar as the master folder to combine all NFTs that are within the game. And then you could sell it or you could trade it or you could show it off. Like they could have a leaderboard which where it would be connected to your one avatar and would show all your results from within your token bound account. Token bound accounts are just huge. And I feel like we it was news like a month or so ago. And then yeah. no one's talked about it because there's no use cases yet. But here we are seeing a great use case. Absolutely. All right, on to 6529 and Blur. Can I go back to 6529, Kai? Hey, whatever you want to do, this is your show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So 6529 came out with one of his legendary Twitter threads this week, and I recommend everyone go reads it. Look, the thread was really about Blur, but I'm going to skip over the first part of this where he really talks about Blur. Basically, the first part of this he talks about He's been getting a lot of flack for investing in Blur because people are pissed that Blur made royalties go to zero and they're blaming Blur for taking the NFT market with all of their incentives and airdrop farming that people have been doing. And so he basically came out and the first half of this thread, he says, look, we invest in a lot of different startups. He says they put $50,000 into Blur. He's like, that's a drop in the bucket. He's like, we don't have a board seat. We're not involved in their decisions. Like, I don't know why you're pissed at me. Like, we invest in a lot of stuff and we believe that one in 10 of the projects we invest in will make it. That's their business model. That's how they operate. They're a fund that is really believes in the long term of NFTs. I saw one something to add. Yeah. If one protocol or Blur can come in and ruin the industry and people are getting mad at Blur, it's like, here you industry go. has a bigger, is that what he's going to say? I haven't read He's what he's going to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to read you the second half of this, right? Because this is where it gets juicy. Okay, so he says, the future of royalties is as follows. Option A, there are royalties, but done in a situation specific to ways that can survive in a no royalty marketplace world and or there are no royalty collections. And it was always going to be this way. So what do you say about farming and token drops? Well, his team is split 50-50. One camp says it increases liquidity through incentives. The other camp says it drops prices because people dump and use the incentives to make it up, so it hurts prices. Basically, his view is that none of the above because he doesn't really care about farming and trading. He believes that NFTs are so much more than this. This is what he says. My view of NFTs is so giga expansive. I love that term, giga expansive. He says that both Blur is going to save NFTs or Blur is going to end NFTs due to their farming incentives seems like utterly comical point of views. If you believe either of the above, you don't actually believe in NFTs. Right. In my world, in 2030, we'll have tens of or hundreds of millions of NFT users using NFTs for everything from sure expensive art to day-to-day digital objects to their Chipotle coupon card. The idea that any of this would change based on the floor price of four-day Yacht Club in 2023 <laughs> is daft. Since the very first day here and every day since, I say the same things first of all for collectors. Buy what you like in quantities you can afford to hold more or less forever. Don't trade. Don't use leverage. That is the right answer for 99.99% of people. 
And then he says, says for PFP projects, you will either have to go semi-closed ecosystem, Yuga and Digidaiku are going that way, or fully open ecosystem. He thinks utility-based NFTs are tricky because most won't succeed, but some will be huge. And he says for PFP projects that thought they had a massive income stream from royalties and now they don't, well, okay, that is life in crypto. It's not like it's life in business. It's in crypto. It's life, good point. It's life in business. It's not like this is some normal outcome in business that you start making $30 million per year for doing nothing but watching people trade. These projects correctly will have to think about what people truly value, see if they can provide it, and if not, okay, so be it. Most NFT collections are not going to make it, just like most websites in 1999 did not make it. But those that did showed the way for the rest of us. This is what I was going to say at the beginning is no one app can come in and just ruin the entire industry. If it can, then the industry had no legs whatsoever, right? The industry was useless previous to Blur. Just Blur came in and was like the thing that made it all happen. But that's not the case. I think NFTs will be just fine. I think most, I mean, we just complained about how many NFTs are already here in the show. I think those ones that are useless and unsustainable will be just that. They will be unsustainable and useless. And so those will go to zero. And those who invest in them, that's your own fault. Take responsibility for it. Those who used or bought things that they like and they will use, other people probably will like them and use them too, whether that's art or a gaming asset or a PFP or whatever. And those things may have value in the future. That's just how financial assets, this is how assets work in general. It's like real estate. You can buy a home and it might suck, right? The home might be in a really bad place in a really bad city and it could go down in price. Or you could buy a home that the city does really well and everyone wants to move to that city. And then, okay, the value of it goes up. That's just, you don't know where it's going to go, but you understand why real estate has value and where it's going. And so you need to do the same thing with NFTs. The problem is most people are buying these random NFTs that just don't represent anything. And I just don't even understand why people do it. It just doesn't even make sense. It sounds so obvious, but you know what's not obvious is who is our DAO of the month. You're going to find out that along with some news from Starbucks, Sound, Board Ape Yacht Club, when we come back after the sponsor. And of course, we still have Unstoppable, Sandy, the CEO, COO, sorry, of Unstoppable coming on right after that. So stick around. Let's take a quick second here first. Did you know that Web3 users lose billions of dollars every year due to phishing attacks? If you've been in the space long enough, then you or someone you know has probably fallen victim to one of these scams. This is why we've partnered with WAG, your guardian in this digital wilderness. WAG is a tool designed to help you spot the difference between malicious links and legit ones. With WAG, you can rest easy knowing that every link you click on is safe. This is an absolute game changer for Web3. As part of our partnership with WAG, we'll be using their platform to create verifiable links so that our community feels safe, knowing that what they're clicking on is the real deal. And if you don't have a community to protect and you're just looking to protect yourself, WAG has you covered with Safe Stops, which tell you exactly who created the link you're clicking on. Head to the link in the description, click it, see that it's verified by Web3 Academy, and start protecting yourself today. Just use the code FREE1000 when signing up, and if you're among the first 1,000 users, you'll get free access for life. Oh, Welcome back. Time for the time for the DAO of the month. We had a great showdown this week. BitDAO, VitaDAO, or VitaDAO. DAO.VC and the Lab DAO and the winner with 86% of the vote, Vita DAO. Congrats to Vita DAO. Vita DAO is a community-owned collective that is dedicated to funding and advancing longevity science that it can improve our lives, that can make us live longer. Their community is governed by their Vita token, and they are a leading online community for DSI, decentralized science. They raised $4.1 million a few months ago from some large pharmaceuticals. Pfizer was involved in that raise. And DeSci is a movement of part of the DeFi world. It's basically aiming to bring public tools for science on chain and financialize them and allow the whole world to participate in the DeSci economy to be part of pushing forward science. It's a really, really incredible combination of blockchain and science, which is not something that we talk a ton about. Hoping to get them on the show in the future so we can break down and tell you guys more about DSI. Yeah, please join us. I think it's VitaDAO for Vitality. That's my guess. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Am I saying Vita or Vita? Okay. Quick hits. First up, Sound opens to the public and raises 20 million from E16Z, Coinbase, and Snoop Dogg. 
we've talked a lot about sound and, uh, and we actually talked about this whole public opening that they were going to do a few months ago, but they just did an amazing job of keeping it in beta for a while, going one-on-one with these artists, figuring out what they need, figuring out the collectors, how they want to do this. And really, because it's a brand new concept to the internet and to the music industry, they wanted to get you know really close, build that community and really understand the customer from both sides, collectors and artists. They did a great job at that. And then now that they've kind of proven concept, they've moved to a layer two on optimism. They've proven that they can have 700,000 mints within you know one day kind of thing. And they've kind of proven the success of this. So now they're going public. You no longer have to speak to someone at the company to do this. Anyone can sign up as of, I believe, yesterday. And then at the same time, they got they raised $20 million as their Series A, which again, we just talked about when you should raise capital. Now, they didn't do this through a token. They just did this the TradFi way. But proof concept, bootstrap something, build something. They had Snoop Dogg on here. They've done such a great job in building this whole thing out. It's an app now. They've done so many things in the space. And now they can go and raise $20 million, but do it with legit backers, right? Not a bunch of retail that can't help them, but they raise from Coinbase and A16E and Snoop Dogg. Like, these are the people you want in your corner, right? These are the people that can get you the connections you need, get you the developers you need, and all the things that you need to make this business successful. And so kudos to Sound. They've just been building and building and just doing an incredible job. And I'm really excited to see where they go next. I just had a really cool episode that came out, I think, two weeks ago with Rob Abelow, who is big in the music world, also big in AI and Web3. If you love music, go check that one out. I think it was two weeks ago. And we we talked a lot about sound and just sort of the, the future of music NFTs. Super bullish on sound. I wish they had a token. I'd be a buyer for sure. To me, the most impressive thing is right when you come onto their homepage and their website, they show you how much money they have given to artists. And $5.5 million has already flowed directly from fans to artists. Now, I don't have a comparison to Spotify based upon, but I would love to see like the number of artists on sound compared right. to the amount of money that is flowing. Like this is the future of music well, for artists to actually make a living. I'm pretty sure their beta was only 420 artists. Funny enough. Oh, it was <laughs> that's pretty, yes, that's pretty significant. And they're small artists. Not like a lot of them are big other than Snoop Dogg. But anyway, all right, next up. Starbucks Odyssey has partnered with Aku. Yeah, Aku. So Aku or Aku Tars is a uh, NFT project. God, I shouldn't call it an NFT project. It's a business, a storytelling and IP business that is all based around this character, Aku. Basically, it was the brainchild of Micah Johnson. Micah Johnson's a former professional baseball player turned artist. His nephew came up to him when his nephew was young. And he said, why do I not see any black astronauts? I actually think the question is, can a black person be an astronaut was the question. And Micah was like, oh, wow, like that's crazy that you at your young age feel like you can't be an astronaut because you're black. Well, Micah was like, that's not true. Anybody can be an astronaut. And so he started this basically this story. He wrote this story about this character named Aku, who was a black kid who became an astronaut. And that is what the whole Aku verse is all built around. I think it's a really cool project because it's a story that they are building with like plans for all these IP plans. But they partnered with Starbucks. So let me get to that. So they partnered with Starbucks. We talked a lot about Odyssey, which is Starbucks Web3 loyalty program. And basically on July 17th, so just in a few days, you're going to be able to collect a stamp. That's what they call NFTs within the Odyssey world. And you'll be able to collect an Aku stamp. It's going to be a limited edition stamp. And they're going to donate $100,000 from this limited edition sale to Blessings in a Backpack, which is a nonprofit that fights child food insecurity. Great Web3 story. I love it. Love it. These are the things we need. We'll keep highlighting those. Next up, Twitter hits an all-time high in screen time usage the same week that Threads launches. Yeah, quite interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot last week, I believe it was, about threads. And it's kind of the same thing as Twitter, but missing about half the features. I mean, like, I don't know, when I was using threads, I would actually come back to Twitter a lot and talk to people on Twitter about threads. So there was a lot of people doing that going back and forth. So I could see that usage would go up on Twitter as a result of this. Also, I mean, a bunch of people on Instagram, it was very easy for them to get threads because they already have an account created. So, I mean, there was a hundred over a hundred million people that signed up within just a, I think within a few days, which is one of the fastest or is the fastest growing app in history, but that doesn't mean people will stay on it, right? It's just so easy to download an app these days. 
you already have an account, but will people stay on it? Most people I'm talking to are not, but who knows? We'll see. But what this did do is educate people about text-based social, right? Instagram users are, and Facebook are used to mainly video and images. And this shows them, hey, what's it like to just chat, right? And so those that do like it, do they stay on threads or do they hop back over to Twitter? We'll see. This could just been, you know, we don't know for sure. We can't verify the amount of screen time. I think this was just a message from someone in Twitter that posted this is the CEO. And so like, is that even true? We don't know. We can't verify on chain. So tough to say, but um, I can see people moving over to Twitter from here. Twitter's definitely still better. So we'll see what happens. At this point, it's better, I'd say. So next up, Bordy Biao Club announces something called Made by Apes. Yeah. So one of the unique things about Bordy Biao Club and a lot of NFT collections is that you own the IP. And so what does that mean if you own the IP? If you're the holder of an ape, you can go and monetize that ape. You can print it on coffee cups. You can print it on a t-shirt. You could make a TV show out of it. You could do really whatever you want because you own that IP. Now, here's the problem with that. There's been a lot of people within the ape community that have been building IP using the ape. Probably the best example is Kingship, which is an NFT collection that has a full story that they're building out around a few apes that they've given characters and names to. I guess another great example would be Adidas, who bought an ape and then used that ape, gave that ape a full personality. Its name is Indigo Hertz, and it is the face of their Web3 play. So, But the problem is, is that if you are using one of these apes, you need to be able to verify that you actually have ownership of that IP. And that is not simple to do right now. So what Board Ape Club has done, and shout out to builders who are focused on building tools like this that we really need in the industry, is they built a tool called Made by Apes that is going to allow for simple verification of IP so that you can see if you're buying something that is connected to an ape, you can see that you're actually buying something that is owned by that person, that it's verified ownership of that IP. So great to see Pudgy will be using this. A lot of doodles will be using this. A lot of the major IP businesses within the NFT space for sure will be using this. Okay, let's go over to Unstoppable. Sandy is in the studio. She's backstage right now. Let's bring her up to share with us some exciting news out of Unstoppable Domains. Sandy, we're super excited to bring you on because we know that Unstoppable is launching something today, tomorrow. I, I'm actually not exactly sure it was the launch date, but I know it's happening this week. Uh, yeah, can't wait for you to tell us all about it because I think it's something that we need in Web3 and something that's going to allow users to really use the full tools of Web3 and get involved in new ways. So tell us what's going on at Unstoppable. Yeah. So today we are really excited to announce a Web3 marketplace to enable customers to come in and browse actual applications. We know that there are other Web3 marketplaces out there for NFTs, but there has not been in the past one consolidated viewpoint just for any Web3 application. So what we did was today we announced in conjunction with Polygon, and Polygon has done this as a, an incubated project called the DAP Store Kit. And with that DAP Store Kit, you can build out a marketplace. So we worked with Polygon to do that. And so today we're announcing the largest and the first as well that is in the marketplace. I think it's really interesting. It, this is an open source initiative or community that is being led by Murico which is a company, again, that is incubated by Polygon. And the cool thing is that now anyone can go up and view all these great applications. This month, we're featuring 11 Web3 companies that have also dove into AI. So they're using and leveraging AI to even make things easier. I think this is a great move for the Web3 industry overall. You know, I was at Amazon Web Services we announced our marketplace and the marketplace was just an amazing space for anybody to come and check out what was available. Of course, Amazon itself started out as a marketplace. 
So I see this a big move for the industry overall. I just want to get an idea of the the product here. It's a app store essentially. And so is this where I could go find like Uniswap, OpenSea, Sound.xyz, like all these different apps all in one place kind of thing? That's right. Currently, the marketplace are applications who have integrated with Unstoppable. We have a way that other applications can also apply to come into the store. For example, right now we're featuring like applications from Alchemy. Alchemy is a blockchain development platform. Blockchain. We just had them on the show recently. Oh, you did? Yeah, they're pretty yeah. amazing. They're actually featured because they've just introduced an AI tool that accompanies their Alchemy dashboard, which is just really cool. I'm really doing a lot of research because I do believe the intersection of Web3 and AI is such a powerful one. We really wanted to highlight in this go round those type of applications. We also have blockchain.com. We have folks like Brave and Opera, Chainlink, Crypto.com. One of my favorites, Etherscan. I love that team. Etherscan, I guess I should say Polygon Scan as well. KuCoin, The Graph, which is doing some really cool things. Phantom, I, I could go on and on, obviously, because we got 860 of them in there. Wow. But I think it's just a great place where, you know, any Web3 fan can go in as well. Not really a question, but I think what is really great about this is when new people enter the space, they have no idea where to go to find any of these apps. So there's always a lot of people on our Discord going, I want to do this thing. How do I do that? And so like, Luckily, there's enough community there where someone is like, oh, I've done this before. I use this one. The problem with that is, do you trust those links that people are sharing? What happens if they send you to like a fake app? So we've kind of needed this like aggregator of all the good apps in a way to also search. And I don't know what the functionalities are like. And I'd love to get an idea of that if you can walk us through. Because like you might have a use case and you want to figure out how is there an app that does this? It's like, I've no, Google doesn't know that. I can search in Google, but it's tough to find these things. So is that kind of a, something you're solving outside of like, of course, these are le legit links. So we know we can go to trusted apps there. But is like, what's the search functionality like? If you can walk us through some of that. Yeah. So it's really cool. You can go and search for any app. We also have a bar down the left-hand side that actually groups them together too. So games, DeFi, metaverse, you know, so all the categories as well that you can go and search for, or you can just search for that company. We've added a feature for you to rate it as well. So again, you know, my Amazon heritage coming through. You know how on Amazon or even on, there you go, on AWS, you can go through it and you can rate different apps. So we're hoping that the community will really leverage and use this. So for example, I was just asked yesterday, hey, I'm following my taxes late. Is there any application for taxes? So I, because I had access to this, I went on and I searched and I was able to find a couple of options, games. You know, I'm getting asked a lot, who are the Web3 companies who are using AI? So that's why we featured this out. It's probably the number one question I'm getting today. Anyway, there's just tons in here that you can leverage and use as you're moving forward through this. And I would say the number one question I get asked too is, you know, unstoppable domains, you have your digital identity. And so people will go out there and they'll get sandy.nft. The very next question they ask me is, okay, now what do I do with it? Well, every you can go, I can now send them here and say every one of these, you can use it to log in, you can use it to resolve, you can use it to do your taxes, you can use it as your gaming leaderboard, you can enter an, a metaverse and use it as your avatar. So now I don't have to list all those out. Now I can just go here and anyone who is now entering the Web3 space, which they typically do through that first purchase of a digital identity as a domain. Now they know precisely where to go. As you see, you've got over 3.6 million registered users, registered domains already. So there's a lot of people. We've talked a lot about, and I know you've written about this, Sandy, is AI is likely going to create, it already is creating probably one of the best use cases for our blockchain, which is verified identity so that we can have verified content. You know, now with deep fakes and so much ability to produce mass content as a result of AI, we've got this challenge where anybody can make a Drake song and put it on YouTube and get millions of views. But was it actually made by Drake? We don't know. And that's why I get so excited about Unstoppable is you guys are really solving this identity problem, but then also you're shipping and innovating and making this marketplace that we, as Kyle said, we so desperately yeah, I agree. And in fact, I think that, you know, a lot of people in Web3 are like, oh, AI is stealing our thunder. I actually think that AI will propel forward blockchain. 
Yeah. I think you're going to see more adoption of it because of this very point you just brought up, which is companies, people are really worried about trust. Like trust is really important. And how do you verify that something, that a tweet, that a post, that a video, how do you verify that that's real? And here comes blockchain in, you know, to leverage that. And Unstoppable is one company that's, you know, taking advantage of that. I was just asked to go speak at an AI conference. And I know you're like, wait, AI, you're like Web3 and blockchain. But I was asked to speak on this very topic. They surveyed 500 CIOs ahead of time. And their number one concern with AI was, we're afraid that someone's going to imitate our CEO or replicate an ad that's really not going to be. That's our number one fear is how can we tell people, trust this, don't trust this. Mm -hmm. And that's why they invited me in to talk about this in particular feature. So if you're out there and you're Web3, you know, AI, I think, is going to help us drive more widespread adoption. It's not going to take away the thunder. I think it's actually going to increase what we can do in the market. Completely agree. Completely agree. Any final things to share with us? Thanks so much for joining. But anything else you want to say? I know there's a discount right now that people can get on the marketplace. Yeah. So because we've partnered with this on Polygon, you know, the DAP store kit was incubated by Polygon. We did release a digital identity that is dot Polygon. So if you're out there, you can click on the link and actually purchase your first digital identity or maybe your second digital identity that is a dot polygon at a discount. And we'd love for you to do that. If you are a company, let's say that you are a DAP or a game or a metaverse, we'd love for you to reach out to become part of the marketplace as well, just to even make it bigger. Make this really the one-stop shop where people can go to find out about all these amazing Web3 applications that exist in the world. Fantastic. Sandy, thanks so much for stopping by the show. Be bowed to you and the whole Unstoppable team for being such great doers and shipping products that we need in the space. Everybody, make sure you go check out Unstoppable Marketplace. We'll put a link in the show notes. That's a wrap. That's a wrap of today's show. Thanks so much for listening in, everybody. Have yourself a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.